20 years ago is now senior lecturer in the School of Social Sciences at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Juan Rudid Rudigi Rukema began his journey as a refugee from war-torn and war-ravaged eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC. Made his way down to UKZN ultimately to study towards his honours degree in public policy. Well, it's a lot more since. He is now a doctor. He initially worked, though, as a car and security guard to make ends meet, but also to pursue his dream of studying further. My journey as a car guard, he says, and security guard was rewarding and provided me space to reflect on my future. My first job as car guard was in Morningside, Durban. I had no permanent site. Friends would call me when someone could not make it on that day. At the time, one could make decent money, be able to pay rent and other personal expenses, he goes on to say. I'm certainly not going to take the shine from his voice. Rudiki is on the line, but I have the infinite pleasure of saying, Dr. Rukema, good evening. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good evening, sir. Good evening. You have quite the story to tell, and it has to start where, in relevant part, it does start. The decision to leave the DRC following the trauma of two decades ago, heading down south, although always aware of what's happening up north. Talk to us about that incredible journey that you have made that now sees you in the end being Dr. Rukema. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much for for the invitation. Uh, actually, that uh, is clearly... Um, my name is Joseph, uh, Joseph Rudigi Rukema, uh, originally from the Republic Democratic of Congo, eastern part of the DRC. Uh, as we all know, the history of what of of conflict and violence in DRC. So then I was compelled to leave what DRC uh, and seek safety. Um, the the first country of choice that was South Africa, given what is the history. And uh, I had to leave uh, DRC and uh, found myself that year in South Africa. So that was my first what uh, um, that is was my journey. Uh, back home, and uh, when I arrived in South Africa, that actually that I had no one I know I knew uh, in South Africa. But um, uh, I tried to to find space for myself that to uh, to be able to settle what in South Africa, and also that I managed to make friends. So who were also that able just to to assist me integrate what in the uh, in the South African society. Well, talking about integrating into the South African society, for the purpose of this segment, we're just going to focus on the scholarly prowess that you have since displayed and gone on to achieve. You came here with which qualifications before you embarked on your honours degree? Yes, actually, that I had uh, three years uh, degree, uh, so which I had uh, from the University of Lubumbashi. And then you enrolled at UKZN. Tell us about that process, because I would imagine financing for that would have been incredibly difficult, and I don't know if whether or not there were issues with your being a Congolese national and having to get your previous qualifications vetted. I would, I'm asking these questions because these, from time to time, do become challenges when one needs to get a senior degree from another university in another country, whereas one would have pursued and successfully, successfully attained a junior degree from another country. Tell us about 
if there were any, of course, the obstacles in ultimately registering before you could actually get on with what you wanted to do, that was to read towards your honours degree in public policy. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, uh, let me begin by um, uh, how that I happened to uh, to get to University of Kwazulu Natal. Mm. Uh, actually, that uh, I when I arrived, so I had no means that to survive. That only the dream, that the dream to to further my studies. So remember with me. So as I said that I went to Skaga to help me just to adjust myself. So to find how that I could sustain myself um, uh, in a foreign country. So I went to the car guard, the first job what was in Morningside. And uh, is what that I used to work as car guard. And then I found the site, the permanent site work in Sri Lanka. Uh, where I worked for some times and then, uh, but whatever that, whatever that I did, that was time to see that where I could get opportunity to study. And uh, when I... Uh, in 2001, mm. so it's the first time that I approached, I went to the University of Kwazulu Natal, uh, because that was that uh, it was that then the University of Natal, and uh, uh, the first of all that my language was that the English that was uh, I have not learned English from back for back home, mm. and uh, I had difficulties to communicate what in English. Uh, it happened that when I visited the University of Kwazulu Natal, I met a friend, not a friend as such, that someone who, who could speak a language as, um, uh, from someone from Cameroon, uh, Dr. Silas Njoya. Mm. So after that, we spoke in French, and um, uh, he was able just to advise me and give me all necessary information. Uh, and then I approached the, uh, the, the school that was then by the Department of Political Science. Uh, and then I expressed my desire to to further my studies. And uh, actually, that told me that I need to first to go and improve my English skills. So then before I could come and apply. And uh, there was this program, what a refugee program, uh, where they were offering uh, short English courses. I attended two weeks uh, lessons. And uh, since then, that uh, also that I continued uh, reading extensively, and uh, even what I bought a small radio, so I could listen wherever that I go. Mm. Uh, and uh, after a month, actually, that I think that one or, or two months, then I went back to uh, to University of Natal. So then my skills, my English skills were assessed, and then uh, I passed, and uh, I was allowed to register. Actually, that when I was re- registered, they recommend me that I have to take uh, extra modules. Mm. Uh, to compensate uh, in order to uh, to be allowed the degree. So actually, that because of my English was that was still not uh, very uh, did not improve. But then that I was recommending the same time while I was uh, uh, I was attending uh, uh, formal uh, lectures. Uh, I had us to take extra English uh, English classes. Mm. Mm. So actually, that is how that I. I managed to enter into the University of Kwanwatan, where I got, uh, after two years, I got the uh, honors degree. And uh, after that, what happened, when I, when I was still doing a security guard, it was uh, very challenging. Uh, because that, I used to start from uh, six uh, to six. And uh, then it becomes very difficult to combine uh, what uh, studies and uh, 
and also that uh, security guard at night. I approached one of the deans, uh, Professor Jacobs Johan, and uh, whom that uh, I approached uh, told me uh, told him about my my challenge, and uh, also that he managed to find me a part-time job work work in the library. Oh yes. So that is that is what began, and uh, also the following year he managed to get me uh, honors um, uh, special um, scholarship. So actually, that is how that began, and uh, I completed uh, honors and went to masters in the conflict uh, resolution peace studies, and then I continued. I went to PhD in uh, social uh, policy studies and uh, three years um, of doctoral fellowship. So that in brief, that is a uh, part of my my journey. Let me read this because it all boils down to this. In 2012, you finally achieved your dream to graduate with a doctoral degree in social policy studies. To date, you are the author of 65 publications, have edited five books. You have just as much graduated as further nine PhD students, 24 master's students, 34 honors students. In other words, you have led and supervised academically these people. You have examined 15 PhD theses, 60 master's dissertations, and since your appointment as senior lecturer only in 2015, you have produced 3,500 productivity units. What this ultimately means in a sentence is you can't defeat somebody who is determined and doesn't give up. What... what what does one make of this? You, as you read and as you hear this, of and about you, knowing where the story started, what do you think of this? Yes, actually, that's what I learned from this, is when we we are determined and we, we, have, we take time to discover ourselves, so we can achieve more than what we think that we can. So... Yeah, so that as human beings, that is what I learned, that we are bigger than we, as a modern, we see ourselves. So if we we take time to to explore what, a, what is given and what is invested in us, that we can achieve more than what we think. Talk to us about your research now. I mean, if you're talking about social policy studies, I mean, we just had a conversation and I'm hoping you would have heard parts of it. We're talking about social determinants of health. So essentially, government policy, the arrangement of state resources, and how these have an impact from one department to the other. Your work, now that you have completed certainly the reading and the attainment of the qualification, looking at um, the catchment area of UKZN, the outlook of KwaZulu-Natal, particularly following last year's, was it earlier this year, the floods of earlier this year, the riots of last year, what is now your research inclined to look into for the purposes of engaging this social instability created by first the riots last year and Mother Nature earlier this year? What are you figuring out about the state of being of the province of Guazulu Natal now? Yes, um, uh, actually that uh, one of my uh, interest of research is natural disasters. 
And uh, that was even part of my PhD, mm. uh, looking at the community's uh, response to climate change's particular focus uh, to drought, and uh, looking also at the government, what government intervention in response to, the, to disasters. Uh, so actually, that uh, is, this is one that um, uh, actually about the disasters and the people and the, and the government. So all those that the, I can say that those are the three sectors, uh, and especially what people, the response of people that have on the ground, and also that the government responses can assist um, uh, communities that recover from any shock. Because that the disasters, we cannot prevent disasters. They occur whenever that they, uh, when it happens. So, but what is matters here, that is the response. How do we respond or what are the measures that are in place? Uh, in responding and how the relationship between those affected and the, those who intervene uh, can assist people to recover and uh, also deal with um, uh, aftermath of what of disasters. I want to move away from the academic parts just to engage something which I believe is a topic on its own in terms of the space of academia and engaging with the evolving world and the skills transferred between country and country. And potentially it's a political issue, but if you're not comfortable engaging it, please just let me know and I'll just pretend I never asked the question. One thing I've always been fascinated in is the experience of foreign nationals in academia in South Africa. Let me give you an anecdote to contextualize it as a undergrad student at the University of Forte, East London campus, one of my best lecturers by a country distant, very erudite, very learned, very experienced, talking about having been educated in Nigeria, in Europe, Sweden specifically, Notre Dame, United States, and worked in the Pacific Islands, international law, doctorate par excellence. Oladejo Olowa, I understand now, is at the University of the Northwest. One of the critiques students leveled against him was the fact that when it came to assess him as to whether or not he's a good lecturer, on the form, and I read this form because I was collecting them, one of the students said, I don't understand his accent, therefore he's not a good lecturer, to which she tauntingly replied, I wonder if the textbook is written in my accent because everything I say is based on the textbook and if they understood the textbook and read it, they would be able to engage me in class. That's an anecdote in terms of the bias, perhaps, the South African academic community might have against foreign nationals in the space of academia. Do you have something to say against this anecdote that I've offered, against something which I believe is a point of conversation in South African academia, the treatment of experience of foreign nationals in institutions of higher learning in South Africa, their contribution versus their experience? Is this something that tickles any particular fancy of yours so that you might respond? Uh, on that uh, one, I think that uh, the experience that may differ from individual to individuals. Mm, mm. And uh, as we're all in societies that we may experience the uh, same issues on same, uh, different levels. Uh, so on my side, what I can be honest that um, uh, being an academic, what in a, a university that I have not experienced any uh, such 
So until that day, I may not speak on behalf of what of each and everyone. So, but my experience sometimes that may differ from what from the uh, the uh, the that's what what you have just mentioned. Mm, 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 mm. Well, yeah. it, it is encouraging for you to have heard that because I've had one or two engagements with people in that space, and they say, you know, that there are nuances to the treatment. I mean, they say there are nuances to politics in academia, something I've not experienced. And I'm just sort of throwing it out there because I thought it was relevant to ask, not necessarily because I was hoping you'd corroborate the story. But, sir, thank you so much for your experience. Thank you so much for your time. And we certainly are inspired by your work and your sheer resilience and resolve. You certainly are an inspiration to many. And we hope that many of your countrymen and women can take something out of your book as I certainly am sure that many of my countrymen and women here in South Africa have already and continue to take a leaf out of your very inspirational book and story. Okay, thank you very much for the invitation. Indeed, what a pleasure it has to have had Rudigi Joseph Rukema, Dr. Rukema, holder in social policy, a doctorate in social policy studies, came from the DRC 20 years ago, English not nearly what it is now, and hasn't he, just through determination, just gone on to be the best version of himself? The time is 21.57, and we can't not engage the story of Uzumkita Gaga, the lady who was on her way to work at Awa in Port Alfred yesterday. She met her death by being mauled by pit bulls. This is now a conversation we have to have as a society, however uncomfortable it may be for those who are responsible dog owners, pit bull dog owners in particular. But if the anecdotes that have come through in recent time are anything to go by, this story and many others, in particular of infants, are anything to go by, a conversation, a sober one, however difficult, however painful, needs to be had. If it is about vetting more thoroughly, rigorously even, the conditions under which the dogs are kept, the sobriety of the owner, and the necessary training he or she would have to undergo to be able to be given custody, of what remains a very dangerous animal, but if well kept becomes a very loving pet and protector, then that conversation is necessary. And if the life, like many before her, of Zimkita Gaga is the basis upon which now we are being called as responsible public broadcasters, as responsible citizens, have to have as a conversation, why don't we then have it? Government, those in conservation and in animal rights space, dog owners, and those like me who, when walking in the neighborhood, dare not carry a stick precisely because of the attitudes some dog owners have, the dog won't bite. She's very friendly. And my absolute distaste and dislike for dogs because of my personal and prior experiences, we still have to walk the same streets and enjoy them. 
but there's one less person in our society today who will be enjoying her streets. She was going to work. She never came home. 